0: see the platform on the new building, we won't have to be doing these things either. That'll be nice. I'm excited to have that and room to grow and just so excited about all of that. So, see, she wants to stay down here and listen to Pastor Monday. 2nd Peter we're we we are going to finish 2nd Peter today. I I feel a little badly about not <clears throat> the whole month on Christmas, but it's all God's word, right? But wanted to finish this by the end of the year and by God's grace we're going to do that today and then rest of the month we will definitely be focusing on uh, Christ's birth and the celebration of Christmas and what a glorious time that is and I kind of wanted to finish out the year uh here in in uh, second peter getting that done and and really it's kind of timed it out just right to where we're going to do that um today i guess if the rapture takes place right now we'll finish it in heaven how's that so we'll uh <clears throat> probably won't need to worry about it then would we but we, we've been looking here in in second peter about the um I, I titled it at the beginning a journey into holiness and there are all kinds of uh obstacles that try to keep us from walking in holiness and walking in a way that uh, is honoring and pleasing to God. And, and uh, we've seen in 2 Peter the attacks that come from within and that come within our families and our own lives, our families and also in the churches. And, and we need to be uh, aware of that and aware of the false teaching that uh, goes on and you know sometimes we think about false teachers and we think about a, a person standing in front of us and trying to lead us down a path that is incorrect but sometimes your own mind can be that false teacher and uh, be, be careful of what you're filling your mind with and your heart with and making sure that you are looking to God for answers and uh, not yourself or not your own emotions those will deceive you over and over and over. And so we have seen the challenges that have come. And chapter one, we saw the format for power and and knowledge is power. That's what we saw, knowing what God's word says and how all of us need to be students of God's word and uh, do your best to figure out what God's word says and how to apply it. And uh, you can do so by every day, opening up the word of God and asking God to... uh, uh, lead you and guide you in the truths of it, and and uh, if you know Christ is your Savior, then you have the Holy Spirit that will help you and open things up in the Word of God. But I think it's also wise that you are part of a local church, just like you are here today, and hearing the Word of God preached and taught. and And that's the amazing thing. I tell you this many times, but uh, it, it is such a blessing that. One of the reasons you pay me to be your pastor is so that I take time to study and and be able to explain some of the Word of God to you and and I get paid to do that and it's really awesome you know I come in and study and think not only am I getting to read and study God's Word but I'm getting paid to do it and uh, it's uh, really exciting times and and I appreciate that but it is the and, and look if you have questions call me shoot me a text and. Ask me what something means, and I'll, I don't know, anybody else been having problems with their phone and text messages lately? Anybody else? Just me? It's probably me. I, yeah, good. Thank you, Manny, for somebody being brave enough to say yes. All right. So, I, I sometimes I, I get i I'll get a text three days after you send it, you know, and I am, and, and then if I'm in a group text, I don't, I don't get them. Or I send them out and nobody, either either my deacons are not getting them or they're lying to me, you know. <laughs> Maybe I should inspect their phones, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're playing with me here trying to send me off to an institution or something. I, I don't know, nah, I've really got my mind going and I'll never be able to preach right today. But uh, anyway, but... <clears throat> Look, I'll do anything I can to help you. Shoot me a text, and I'll, we'll try to figure out what the Word of God says. We'll see in this that Peter even said that things are difficult. Peter said that. And so we, we understand that, but the format for power is knowledge and knowledge of the Word of God. And then in chapter 2, we saw the predictions of false teachers and uh, all of the the things that they're doing and, and really how, how, how they... Uh, everything that they give you is empty and there's nothing there. Uh, We see all of that in chapter two and then we see in chapter three the promises to the faithful and if we're going to have the promises of God then uh, and, and living by those then we need to remember some things and that's what the whole book of second Peter is about is bringing to remembrance things that they already knew and I don't believe that I'm introducing much here that's new to you either. We're just remembering what God's Word says and and uh, <clears throat> calling those things to remembrance and helping us in our walk. And so we saw in verses 1 through 7, oh, how uh, important it is that we remember history and and remember that that God is not mocked and that God will judge sin and that God is going to judge those who are false teachers, and he gave us several illustrations of of exactly that. And so we remember history. But then we also saw in verses 8 through 10, we, we see that even though God is judgment, God is also mercy, and we need to remember mercy. You know, we're, we're in a time and a day and an age these days that, that there just doesn't seem to be much mercy on any side of things. We, we, we uh, have... Uh, so many people that have become keyboard warriors that are, are willing to type out anything on social media and, uh, and, a, and uh, abrupt and rude and and uh, unkind and and uh, uh, distasteful and, and all of that and seem to find that to be uh, uh, the the norm today. but God is telling us that we need to realize that, as all things continue to get crazier and crazier, and they will, that the reason that God hasn't stopped it is because of His mercy. He wants people to come to trust Christ as their Savior. And those that we need to always remember that, uh, and, and our politicians have gotten so good at this, along with the press, that, that if, you, if you are on the other side of politics, then you are the enemy. Well, you're not. Okay? That people are not our enemy, we need to understand we have one enemy, it really is, you need to identify the enemy, and the enemy is Satan, that's the enemy, and everyone else is either, has had the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit of God in their lives when they trusted Christ as their Savior, and they understand now the a bigger picture of things because they have a better world view of things by what the scripture has described to us, or or you are still blinded by the prince of the power of the air and, and you're living in a way that truly is blind to the truth of things. and' and it's, and it's our job not to bring them out of that, but to show them that there is an option and it's through Jesus. And so we need to do that and realize that God wants them to be saved and how we need to learn to show some mercy and in people's lives. Well, now we get to verse 11 through the rest of the chapter, verse 18, and and we see the last thing is we need to remember holiness. We need to understand and realize that as we trust Christ as our savior, that God expects certain things from us. Not not before salvation, we have absolutely nothing we can offer him. He saved us only by his grace and we by faith place our faith in what Christ has done for us, even though we deserve none of that. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again the third day, showing us that he's God himself, power over death, and that his sacrifice was enough, that uh, it, uh, he took upon himself the very wrath of God for everybody in this world, past and present and future. His sacrifice was enough. And we, by faith, call on Jesus Christ to be our Savior, and we trust Him as our Savior. But then it shows us that after once we have trusted Christ, then He talks about our conversation. Our conversation isn't just what we say, but it has a far more detailed description of that that Greek word, and, and it has the idea of not only what you say, but everything that you do every way that you live everything is entailed in in that word conversation and how you behave how you how you handle your emotions how you handle your tongue how you handle different relationships that you have with different people and 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 all of those things how you walk in your daily life how you depend upon god how you open up the word of god daily and let God lead you, how you uh, behave as a spouse in your marriage if you're married, how you raise your children according to what God's Word says that you ought to, and and all of those, and that's all a part of your conversation. And how we need to understand and realize that God expects us to be holy in our behavior. Be ye holy, for I am holy. God said that. God commanded that. Why do you do that? We're not holy in ourselves. No, we're not, but we're holy in Christ. And so by being holy in Christ means that we want to behave and walk in a way that Christ would today. And that's the holiness that God is talking about and walking in a way that Christ would today and let him walk through us today in his holiness. And so that's what we see. Well, first of all, we see a definition of or or here we see the command more so to remember holiness in verse 11 seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. We already saw, we know in God's judgment that there is going to come a day when this heaven and this earth is going to be gone and we will be in an in an eternal state in a new heavens and a new earth. Praise the Lord for that. Why? Because and it's not going to be a revamping or a remodel of this earth. It's cursed. It's dealing with the curse today. Why do we have earthquakes why do we have tsunamis why do we have great fires why is it that we have the the storms that we have today and 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 part of that God may use those as certain judgments upon things sometimes he uses that to, to wake people up and understand the power that he has in these shows and and we need to rely upon him and trust him and you know yesterday I heard Clarksville Tennessee had a horrible tornado go through there we we see the power of, of, we want to call it nature, but God controls all of that. But all of that are the groanings of this cursed world that we live in. And so we, we understand and, and see that. And, and, uh, and so we see it's not a revamping of this world, but this world will disappear and there will be a new one that is perfect in all ways, just as this one was when God created in the beginning. And so, but we move on, and and now we see that judgment is coming, but with that, then it it ought not to give us the idea or the attitude of, well, you're going to get what you deserve one of these days, but rather it ought to be, we better hurry up and tell somebody else about Jesus before it's too late. That's the attitude we ought to have. And sometimes, I admit, it's hard to do that. It's very difficult when you see someone who is, who, who who is so immoral and, and so disgusting in, in the things that they're doing that you want to view them as an enemy, but they're truly not. And we need to be telling them about Christ as long as we have the ability to do so. But here we see the command. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And he's and he's asking a question here, okay? And so if you, we realize that all these things are going to happen, and, and we know that this, this uh, uh, holy, righteous judgment is coming, then, then what kind of behavior are we going to have in our life today? Uh, uh, should we not be? And, and that word ought has the, uh, the idea that we are obligated under a, uh, a moral re- responsibility, being a child of God then, to live, as he says here, we're in, in all holy conversation and godliness. Our lives ought to represent the holiness of God. The things that we do in our lives ought to represent Jesus and who he is. And, and don't make a mockery of who Jesus is, but we need to understand and realize that we have a lot of work to do in our lives once we trust Christ as our Savior, that we need to live in a way that truly represents who Jesus is. And that's holy conversation. That's a holy conduct and behavior in our lives. We have no reason then to act out on, on certain things, and, and, and we have no reason to let our, uh, let our lips fly at, the, at, at every moment, and every time we get angry, we say mean and hurtful and disgusting things. We have no right to do that. Jesus did not do that. And he gives us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to control the things that we say. Sometimes we let our minds run rampant and, and think evil things or think immoral things in our lives. Can I tell you that that God can help you to control your mind? Go to Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 and read. You can go there later, but take that, write it down, and go there later. And And he tells us how we ought to be thinking in our lives and our thought life and doing the things that are honoring and pleasing to god and all of this is a part of our holy conversation and why do we do it because not only is a holy conversation but godliness and you know what godliness is a devotion to god you are devoted to him you ought to be men you ought to be devoted to your wife also yeah first of all be devoted to christ right and as think about how you act towards christ and how you treat Christ in your life really ought to be manifest in how you treat your wife. It, it, it ought to be about the same. The the love and the respect that you have for your Savior, it, 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 and, and I know it'll be different in some ways. You reverence God for who He is. He is God, but in the love and the devotion, it ought to be represented in your marriage also. There's not a whole lot of that. It seems like we have... We, we have marriages where you, got you, you, and I'm not, a you is in general, okay? But don't compete with your spouse. I, I, don't, I don't understand that at all in the competition of your spouse and thinking, uh, I don't know, comparing each other. Uh, you're different, okay? You have different responsibilities. You have a different calling in life. Uh, biblical responsibilities. Instead of competing with each other, you ought to be lifting them up. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily the truth uh, anymore. As, as, as the money gets bigger, the, the egos get worse, but the, the national finals rodeo is going, that's probably where Don and Sherry are at. The national finals, are they out there, Carl? I knew it. I knew it. You know, it used to be, though, that those guys that competed in that cheered on each other. I mean, you, you, you watch behind the chutes, you know, and one of those cowboys comes out riding. All those cowboys are back there cheering him on, you know. And like I said, I don't know if that's the case anymore, but it sure used to be that way. And, and I, please, don't think that I'm telling you as a, in a marriage situation, act like a cowboy. Because most of the things a cowboy does, I do not endorse. <laughs> I'm just telling, ran with enough of you cowboys, I know, all right. So, but there are some things, you know. Be the biggest cheerleader you can for your spouse, you know? I mean, and, and be devoted, and, and, that's, and, and that's the devotion that he's talking about. That's godliness, a godly marriage. Be devoted to your kids, and by that, not, not doting on them, but be devoted to them in raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. No one else has that responsibility but you to raise your children. Nobody else is to do that. You are. You raise your children. You are the biggest influence on your children. And can I tell you that, parents, you need to realize how much encouragement and how much help you can be to your children and also how much damage you can cause. Don't be the one that damages your kids. Be one that raises them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Train up a child in the way he should go. Devote your children to the service of God. Uh, uh, That is exactly what that means. Train your children to serve God. Let them, show them how to rely upon God and trust God and walk with God and, and show them how to read their Bible and learn how to apply things to their lives. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to be a godly individual by learning how to obey those who are in authority. And so we... I don't, you know, I have never had one single teacher, and we got a bunch in here, I have never had a teacher come to me and say, Pastor, I am really concerned about this little child in my class because he's just too good. He just obeys all the time, and you know, he has a few problems along the way, but really he just obeys, and and he's a good kid, and this is really a concern to me. I've never had a single teacher complain about that. I think I'd probably have several teachers say, Pastor, there was this child that I can tell that mom and dad are raising them right, and and they they obeyed, and the first time I asked, and he got up and did something, and I passed out. That might be more of the problem. But oh, how we need to be godly in our behavior, showing off godliness. Be kind to your neighbors. I mean, be, be kind to your coworkers. Be kind to the guy that is self checking you out at Walmart. He's stressed out, all right? <clears throat> be kind to the greeter. Where's Robin? You know, you guys be kind to Robin. He's one of our Walmart greeters. So you better behave. If I see you misbehaving, I'm going to ask Robin, how were they in Walmart? So, all right. But here, and so there's the command, all right? Well, we need to remember certain things about holiness, all right? And, and we need to look at this and understand. First of all, it's going to bring about certain behaviors that, that we ought to have. In, in verse 12, we see, first of all, it's going to bring about an anticipation. Look at this. So, seeing then that, verse 11, that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Well, first of all, you need to understand when God mentions day of the Lord, he mentions that several times through Scripture, the day of God, it's not talking about just one specific day. It's talking about a whole period of time. And it's talking about everything that is in the future for us today that, that is going to take place, okay? So the day of the Lord explicitly then is talking more so about the rapture tribulation millennial kingdom the the dissolving of the heavens and the earth after that thousand year reign and it will be then the eternal state that's the day of god okay so it's talking about a whole time period that and so don't get confused about that but he tells us over and over and over be looking for him to come be looking for this to happen and be prepared for that day, and looking for, and hasting, and and, and urging, and hurrying, and and asking God, Lord, please. I, I mean, we were <clears throat> you, you you give thought to all of the craziness today, and I, I, anybody ever watched that that economy clock or the the spending clock? You know that shows what uh, Washington is spending. Anybody ever seen that thing? It's like this long with all these zeros. I don't know what comes after a trillion, but I think some of our politicians want to find out. And it terrifies me looking at that and seeing all of this. You know, I mean, it's just flying, you know, and the money that is being spent and all of that. And I'm thinking, you know, there does come a day when that wheel is going to fall off. And I think of what disaster all of that could be. And Lord, even so, come quickly. You know, just get us out of this mess, and 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 let's take care of this, and and that's what he's telling us, and 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 saying, looking for and hastening under the coming of the day of God, and asking God to to step up and and stop all of this wickedness and evil and craziness that's going on around us, and 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 all of these things, and. And so here, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And and that day is coming. And Lord, if you just help us here, and if it's not going to get any better, then let us get out of this. So it does bring an anticipation. It ought to bring an expectation. Also, he goes on, verse thirteen. Nevertheless, we, those who are believers, according to his promise. Another thing to remember is we always need to be remembering the promises that he gives us in his word. If he says he'll do it, he'll do it. And we need to rest upon that and have faith in that. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Isn't it going to be good? I mean, isn't it going to be great to, there, there will be no more health issues, won't that be great? You know, I, I, no, no more grief, won't that be good? want want to be good that we everybody throws out equality and uh, as long as there are human beings on earth we're never going to have the perfect equality that everybody is talking about, but there will come a day when it will be perfect. There will be a perfect government because God will reign there there will be everything about it that will truly be at peace with one another, a true unity and and truly the blessings that God gives, and wherein dwelleth righteousness. Boy, what a day that will be. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Because you see, if you know Christ as your Savior, this is coming. This is a promise. But if you've never admitted your guilt and admitted that, and and confessed to God that you know what you are, you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and if you've never done that, that... I'm telling you that there's going to come a day your decisions are going to lead you down a path that is going to lead you into eternal disaster and you will forever be without God and you will forever be in a devil's hell. So don't make that decision. And can I tell you, until that time, your life is going to be tumultuous, there's going to be turmoil, there's going to be questions, there's going to be anxiousness, there's going to be hatred and bitterness and and all kinds of stress in your life. And God can deliver you from all of that. Where dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, believers then, seeing that you look for such things. Boy, won't it be a good day. And oh, how we ought to look for that. And so, we ought to have an air of expectation about us. But because of that, too, it ought to bring about some exertion here in the last part of verse 14. Be diligent. You know that word diligent? Diligent is the same word that was translated hastening in verse 12. And so here, you need to be hurrying about it and urging others and hastening about your business that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blemish. I do have questions. How can you hurry and be at peace? You know my first thought? is some of you guys this morning getting ready for church. There probably wasn't a whole lot of peace in it, you know? It's like, hurry up, you know? Get out of bed. Now we're late. You know, and then, fly, you know, man, I hope the, the, the cops aren't out today or we're all going to get a ticket, and then we're really going to hear about it, you know? I loved it when the one gal got a warning right out here right before she turned into the driveway. She got pulled up. Oh, did I have fun with that one? You only got a warning, though, so that was a good thing. But here he tells us that if we're focused on the right things, even in hastening and, and hurrying about, and, 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 and really it's telling you that there's an urgency, you can still be at peace. Why? Because, first of all, if you've made peace with God, you have found salvation in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. But then he also gives you a peace of God. The world never wants you to have that. The world wants you to always be in turmoil. The news never wants you to be satisfied and and happy. And so why do they keep you churned up? Both sides. Both sides of it, okay? Liberal side churns you up. Conservative side churns you up. Why? Because it sells papers or sells their their. Apps or whatever, and they can charge more to, the, to, to the, the advertisers, and it's all about the money. And they honestly do not care about your health and well being, all they care about is pocketing the money, both sides. And so, what do we do? We got the news right here that we need. There's a day coming when the judge is going to stand upon Mount Zion and will give out a perfect uh, government and a perfect judgment. And you know what? We need to be hastening about doing our business right now. And as we are doing God's business, he'll keep us in perfect peace. Isaiah 26. How good is that? And not only perfect peace, but then without spot. And so without blemishes and uh, without those blow-ups and blameless. Again, not things that you're going to have to go apologize to other people about and the things that you're doing doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect but it means that you are going to be living in a holy conversation in a way that if people are going to be offended by you they are offended like they were of daniel and said the only thing we can find wrong with him is his service to his god and so we serve god and we live in a way that is blameless and and they and they and they you're not to be blamed and and you find that you're living the way that you ought to, and, and you're doing this because you're exerting yourself to let people know that Jesus Christ loves them. But then he shows us in verses 15, 16, and 17, take some precautions An account. When we give an account to something, we're thinking about something, we're regarding it, and what are we regarding? That the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Remember verses 9 and 10? There he said and, and told us that his long-suffering is to, for people to repent and come to him. And so now we understand that in his long-suffering, we ask, Why, God, are we going to continue to let this happen? Because God is saying someone needs to see my love and see Christ for who he is and come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's his long-suffering. I mean, we think about the insults, the of morality against ourselves and and we're nothing in comparison to God who created this think about what he's looking at every day not only is he looking at the wickedness of the world but he also knows your own heart and he knows what's going on in our own lives and our own hearts as believers I mean think about how disgusted he could get and he still loves us and is merciful to us and forgiving to us and so why don't we learn to show a little bit of mercy to others around us and be what it is that God is telling us to be? And understand that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him. So God gave him specific wisdom also in the things that he wrote, hath written unto you. So Peter is saying here, Hey, Paul's given us a lot of wisdom in in the Word, too, and it's all been given by God. And I love this, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. Peter said that. Peter wrote that under the divine inspiration of God himself. So if you, you realize that, then you understand that God is saying, I know that some of this is hard to understand. And I know that some of it is hard to explain. But by faith, you trust me, and you follow me, and you do what God says. And so, you know, when we come to those difficult passages that come, well, we study them together. And we do our best to figure out what it says and how to apply it. And you know, sometimes there are some things that we're probably just not going to know until we get to heaven. Or you might find that there is something that he withholds from you until maybe you're 30 years older. And you've gone through certain experiences in your life, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I see. Now I understand that. Maybe there are passages in Scripture, and we saw this this morning in our Connections class, Maybe there are passages that, that, that become revealed to you as you're going through a terribly heavy trial in your life. And all of a sudden, now it makes sense. I mean, God, however, but we know that there are times where these things are sometimes hard to understand. But don't follow the false teacher. This is what they will do. Which they that are unlearned, and that word unlearned means ignorant, and they're willingly, ignorant. They do not want to know what the truth is. They, they have their own reality, their own truth, and that's what they're going to tell people. And they're unstable. They, they go with every fad of, of belief systems that are out there. They go with every fad, whatever the world is trying to teach. They're chasing after the newest and the best. And so uh, here they are. They're unlearned. They're unstable. And, and they rest. And and by this, they they twist and they and they argue, and uh, our little kids have been wrestling on Thursday night, our little peewee kids and 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 you watch those little man, they get twisted into I, it hurts me to watch you know I, i'm 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 grateful that i wasn't built to be a wrestler, you know some guy that knew how to wrestle would tie me up, I mean he'd have me looking like a bow, you know, and I never walk right again, you know and but you look at those little guys, and I mean they're they're wrestling, you know, and they're bending this, and I'm thinking, that arm isn't supposed to do that, guys, you know, and, and that leg, how in the world did you get that leg up there by your chin, you know, and I mean, they're like that. Well, that's exactly what these guys are doing with the Word of God. They're trying to twist it and rest it around to make it say what they want it to say so, so that they can do and live however way that they want to, and justify everything that they're doing and they take everything out of a context that it's not in and they and they rest with all of these things and and peter has been telling us through this entire book you be careful with those that do that and try to make something say that it doesn't say or even taking tradition we were talking about this this morning guys that they'll take church tradition and try to make it biblical And there's nothing in the Bible that says certain things about certain traditions that churches teach. There's nothing biblical. Be careful that we're not doing those things. And then he says here, as they do also the other scriptures. It's not just the scriptures that they don't know and understand that Paul had written. They take all the scriptures and do the same thing to it. Beware of that. And they do all of this unto their own destruction. One day their reality will be brought to light that it's all false, but it's too late, and they'll spend an eternity in hell. So be careful. And so then the rest of that precaution, verse 17, ye therefore, and, and that sometimes people say it's very archaic in, in, the, in the King James, but you have ye and you, and you have thee and thou. Can I make something real easy for you? Ye and you are plural. The and thou is singular. And so if you see somebody talking about thee or thou, you know that they are talking about, I'm talking to Eric. But when I talk about ye or you, I'm talking about all of you. That should help you. You don't have that in in some of the modern translations. You just have you. Well, who's you? And it's extremely hard to find out. Then you really have to study hard to find the context. It helps you to understand those things. But here ye. Talking about all the believers. Talking about even us today. You therefore, beloved, those who are, be- who are believers, seeing you know these things before, I'm just reminding you of things that you already know, okay? Beware of these that are doing these things, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Can I tell you, none of us are safe if we think that we got it all figured out and we don't need any help and we don't need anybody to help keep us accountable, and you think that you can be some lone wolf that is off by himself. Can I tell you, I've met some of these guys that 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 have, have thought that they have gotten all the answers, and they don't need a church, and they don't need other believers telling them anything, or holding them accountable, or asking them questions about some of their train of thought. They have come up with these great ideas, and This is the way things ought to be doing. And can I tell you, every one of them have gone way out into outfield somewhere in la-la land, and they are so confused that they're as lost as a goose in a hailstorm. That's an old Missouri term. So, but be careful. You know, we, we need to be careful, and we need to, that's why earlier he said, make sure you let Scripture interpret Scripture. Make sure that you are... Uh, being held accountable not only by the Holy Spirit of God but by other believers because it doesn't matter who you are, beware, lest you also, you are led away, you're carried away with the error of the wicked and you fall from your own steadfast. doesn't mean you lose your salvation. You're, that, that's a whole different ball game That was settled at the cross. And when God says he'll save you, he saved you and he's not going to back down. Now he may chasten you along the way and bring you back where you ought to be. But your faith, yeah, you can make a real mess of your faith. You know, he, uh, Paul wrote that, and uh, you can go back there later, uh, First, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, he says, I keep my body under subjection, uh, and I do so lest I become a castaway. He also said in 1 Timothy, warning Timothy in chapter 1, he said, be careful, there are those who have made their, their faith shipwreck. And so let let us be careful. We can let anger. We can let bitterness. We, we can we can let somebody come in who 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 wants to uh, pet your pride and lead you down another path. You your own carnal ideas, your own carnal flesh, can lead you to thinking certain things and trying to justify certain things. And and before you know it, it's the body of believers that you become mad at, and now you don't feel like you're comfortable in any in it, here anymore. And then that people are shunning you or people are mad at you and that's all in your own imagination because it's your own carnality that's lying to you. No, and it can happen to anyone. I've seen pastors who have been in the ministry for years and years and years who aren't even in a church anymore. So be careful and beware of these things lest you also fall from your steadfastness. And so how do you stop that? Well, the last thing is determination. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Whenever we, we think about growing, uh, that, that, first of all, that's a command. And he's telling us that we need to grow and increase. And we need to increase in grace. We need to increase even in the position that we are in as in Christ. You know how you do that? Well, I, I think a couple of things.'t we, we, we do not justify our misbehavior and our bad choices. okay We just don't do that. We, we confess those to God and get them right with God. The longer you hide those and or Try to hide them. God knows it. But the longer you try to suppress that, the, the more likely the devil's going to find it and use it against you and bring all kinds of problems in your life. So don't, don't, don't lie to yourself and, and, and just get things right in, in your life. And, and you know what you do when you do that? You realize the grace that God shows you. And you, you get it right, and you take off and go forward and keep moving forward when you make a bad choice. And, and stop making them, okay? And you, Well, how do you do that? Well, you learn more about the Word of God, and, and, and it'll be a precaution and stop you from doing certain things. And, and, you, and you stay in church. And, you, and why do you come to church? Because God tells you you ought to be here. And Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as manner as some is. And so you come together, and and you hear that crazy preacher, you know, bring things up, and you're like, "Ma, I haven't heard that," you know. And then you go home and you're and he's like, "Wow, that crazy guy is actually right in that. And it's not because I'm right; it's just the word of God is right." You know, life is simple. You just preach what it says, right? And and so you do that, and 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 you learn then that I am going to fail along the way. So you know what? You learn. You learn to give yourself a little bit of grace. It's not that you condone what you are doing but you just don't hate yourself. I think people have a problem with that and I think it's believers that have a problem that maybe they have some kind of a an addiction or a, or some kind of issue in their life where they, they just haven't had victory over. It. Can I tell you? You keep fighting it. And don't quit. Confess it every time. Get it right and then keep moving forward and ask God for help and 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 Bring somebody in your life that can be an accountability partner of some sort and you just keep fighting it and you keep fighting it and you keep fighting it and, and you know what? One day God can give you a, a complete victory of it. But you just don't quit. And in that, you quit hating yourself. Boy, there are times where people, I think, just hate themselves. And I think when you grow in grace, you learn to give yourself a little bit of grace. Grace. When you give yourself a little bit of grace, then you can learn to give other people a little bit of grace in their lives. Boy, our world needs a little bit of that. I mean, we can, we can stand there and pronounce judgment all day long, and, and, and sometimes there are times when that is necessary, but there are also other times where, hey, you guys need to hear that Jesus loves you and that he wants to save you today. So get it right with him and come to him and find the joy that he, only he can give. And so you'll find that you grow in grace. And as you're growing in that grace, then you also start growing in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. You start realizing the God of the universe, how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, and not only you, but how much he loves your family and your coworkers, and your neighbors and everybody in this church. I do truly try to love each and every one of you. But can I tell you that God doesn't have to try. He does. And it's a perfect love for every one of you. And so we grow in the knowledge of who he is. And we realize that, yes, he does want us to be saved. And if you aren't, trust Christ as your Savior. And if you've done that, then rest in that, that you are now a child of God. And you live the way that he tells us to live. And in doing so, we learn to give grace to ourselves and we learn to give grace to others. Why? Because God gives grace to us each and every day. And so what do we tell him? To him be glory both now and forever. I am the perfect example of God showing his grace to someone who truly does not deserve it. And you guys are too. And so let's tell somebody about that gift of grace. And let's live in a way that people see that we live by his grace. Let's get busy. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you search the hearts of each one who's here. I thank you, Lord, for them being here. You talk to them today through the Holy Spirit and through your word. And I pray that you continue to remind them of what we have heard in this beautiful book of Second Peter. Lord, false teachers only bring hopeless, hopelessness and despair, worldly living, and truly everything about it is empty. But Father, you bring us a fullness, a peace, a joy that can't be described, and a help through all of the problems and issues that come up. You give us a help that, Lord, we just sit back and just praise you for who you are and what you're doing. So, Father, I pray you search the hearts of each one today. Lord, if there be one that needs to make that decision to call on you, that today in their heart, they could pray out loud that, Lord, they just pray and reveal to you that they're a sinner. They know they're a sinner and they need a Savior. And they want to place their faith in you to be their Savior. They'll trust in what Christ has done on that cross, died for their sins and was buried, rose again, ascended into heaven and satisfied that, that work that paves the way to heaven and that they will today call and trust and pray and ask you to save them and believe what you have done, trusting in the saving work of Christ for their own sins. And Lord, you tell us that you save us when we do that. And I thank you. And then you tell us how we ought to live, and so help us to live that way. Help us to be what you want us to be. Help us to walk in a powerful way in godliness and holiness. And Father, I pray your blessings upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.